0: Hello and welcome to this edition of Boardroom Talk. I'm Tom Dines. Today I'm joined by Paul Venables, CFO of Hayes, the recruitment company. Paul, you're coming to us off the back of a fairly good recent set of results, the trading update that came out last week. You said you expect to beat operating
1: profit expectations. Hmm. What's driving this performance? Yeah, look, I think we've had a really good year. In fact, I'm tempted to say we've had a good three or four years. Really, it's all about international growth. Whilst in the UK, we're in a mature market, we're in 33 countries around the world. More than 25 of the countries we're in, there's still a large amount of first-time outsourcing. And in fact, about half of our growth in those countries is clients that haven't used a recruitment company before, or companies that have perhaps used Hayes to do IT, now they want us to use accounts in finance. So as well as how is the economy doing and how are we doing against our competitors, there's also a large amount of first-time outsourcing.
0: This is places like Germany,
1: Well, really, it's the whole of the world. I mean, if we part uh, UK, US, Ireland, Australia, New Zealand in one bucket of mature, most of the markets that we're in, most of continental Europe, the whole of Asia, a large degree of the Americas are very immature markets. Let me give you an example. With these quarterly results, Germany is now our largest business. But actually, we've grown that business threefold over the last nine years. Um, so we have a lot of opportunities. We grew in this quarter by sixteen percent, and eight of that percent was first-time outsourcing it, and eight of it was growth with existing clients. Well, you've you've kind of touched on the two the two drivers of growth there. How
0: long can the growth in a immature market last for? This is obviously kind of
1: growing like a rocket. At what point does that start to tail off? Well, if we if we take Germany, which is the biggest of those immature markets for us, at least the biggest business that we've got, the degree of outsourcing is still about one third of that that we see in the UK. So mm-hmm. let me give you an example. If we take our top 100 clients in the UK, they've outsourced about 70 or 80% of their PERM recruitment one way or another to agencies. Mm-hmm. If we take uh, Germany, they've only outsourced about 10% of permanent recruitment. So in the PERM space, there's a lot of outsourcing to come. And in the TEMP and contracting space, they've outsourced about 50% of it to the market. And again, that's well below the 80% percent we have in the uk so for us we see a long runway five ten twenty years further first time outsourcing and it's a fabulous both fee and profit opportunity for us and more importantly we are the we have the largest businesses in those markets so we're number one in germany in fact we're bigger as number two three four put together we're number two in france we're number one in poland so we've got very large businesses in these markets but there's a long way to go would you say the same is true of Asia or is Europe the real focus? right now? No, all, all parts. I mean, one of the good parts about these results and the last few years, but just take this quarter, we had 17 countries that grew by 10% or more. We had seven all time records. Mm. So whether it was China, Malaysia and Hong Kong, where we did exceptionally well, we had an all-time record in Hong Kong in this period of time. But certainly China, putting this into context, if the UK is a mature market and we're the largest player in the UK, we have about 2,000 recruitment consultants in the UK doing white-collar professional recruitment. In China, we have about 150 and we're number two in that market in the white collar place. In Japan, we're number one equal. We've got 130 people. Now, I'm not saying we'll get to 2,000, because also right. may never get to that degree, certainly with Western companies. But all of, a number of those markets have an opportunity to grow two- or three-fold from where we are today. Okay. So certainly in a market like China, again, we've tripled in size in the last five years. There's a lot of organic growth opportunity to come. That all sounds pretty good, but what about the, the UK? One thing that I was... Um
0: Looking at the trading statement, and I saw that you mentioned modest signs of improvement in the UK but the private sector's down 1%, public down 17%. Mm. What are these signs of improvement?
1: So I think the first part is to say, look, the, the reduction in our fee base in the UK all happened going into the Brexit vote and in the immediate aftermath. You take your pain earlier. I so we are, uh, the nature of, of recruitment, even more white collar specialist recruitment is we're violently front-end cyclical. Right. So any change in sentiment, certainly from clients, is impact straight away. So actually since November, we've been sequentially stable in the UK. Mm. And since November, we've had modest growth growth in the private sector business from where we were at that point in time still less than we were in the May, June 2016 before the referendum. So sitting here today we've clearly still got large uncertainty in the UK. We've just had an uncertain election result and that may run for a period of time. We've also now in the two year kind of Brexit notice period who knows where that will go. What we are seeing in the UK is the vast majority of our private sector clients have actually set out their stall on investment for the next 12 to 18 months. So so there's not a lot of large new incremental investment going ahead. But a good part of the UK market at the moment is all of our cl- clients are replacing any levers. And then the positive is our candidates are still looking to change jobs. Right. So at the moment, our business feels very stable in the UK, with a bit more upside in the private sector, a bit further downside in the public sector, but equally 75% of our business is outside the UK. Mm-hmm. Put that into context, when I joined 11 years ago in 2006, the UK was 75% of our group. -hmm. So, you know, the management team, the business have done a fabulous job in. It's water, is that right? It is. In expanding the international footprint, I gave the uh, the example of Germany Mm. earlier on, what is now based on this quarter, our largest business, and we've grown it threefold over a period of time. And in fact, we've always said in places like Europe, if we can just have some stability in the market, an absence of a major shock, GDP of about 1% or slightly more, Mm. and we've always grown by 10% or more. And that was shown in these results
0: again. Just to stay on the UK for a second, what do you think is driving the public sector? Is this just Brexit?
1: No, this has nothing to do with Brexit. This, okay. is, this, is, this is the hard part of austerity. Right. So if in 2010 through to 2013-14, that was the easier part of austerity. In many respects, that period of time had the non-replacement of levers, mm. primarily those people that had retired. And of course, it had a reduction in, in kind of capex-type projects. This now is the harder part, where authorities knew going into the 2015 election what the spending plans would be for the next few years. And it involved very tight cost control little or no investment and therefore it's not surprising that we've seen a tough market in the public sector and i don't really expect that to change in, in the near term right and one of the big
0: things that investors and i know our readers will be focusing on is uh, the prospect of a, a special dividend mm. just to put it in context february last year i believe you had 19 percent net debt by, by our calculation uh, this most recent trading update you're on track for about 110 million of of net cash yeah. and a policy of net cash above 50 million goes potentially being paid out. Where
1: are you on that? What can you tell me? We're in a beautiful position. (laughs) Clearly, we have a board meeting in August. I'm only one director (laughs) of the board. But we set a very clear policy out and there's two elements to this policy. It's important to pick up both parts. So for our core dividend, we said that we will build a dividend cover of three times and then we would keep that three times cover in a growth part. So Mm. we will be doing, we expect to do a large increase in our core dividend at year end. Mm. And then where you're right it's highly likely that the special dividend will be greater than the core. We set a simple policy out which says we'll keep 50 million in the bank and and uh, looking at the end of June anything in excess of 50 million will be paid out in the form of a special dividend. We had about 110 million in the bank so clearly when the board meets in August Mm. they've got two good decisions to make and what we will see what we'd expect to see therefore is a material increase in our dividend and there's been certain analyst notes already that said that will give something like a 4.5% yield on our current share price and what we have seen over the last few years we set this dividend policy out four years ago and what we've seen across that period of time our shareholders understand the dividends they also understand the highly cash generative nature of our business we're one of these beautiful businesses that other than a modest amount of capital expenditure normally about 20 million pounds and clearly some working capital outflow we are highly cash generative so this year we will have generated about 110 million pounds in cash for our shareholders and one of the big positives is we'd expect for the vast majority of that to be paid out to those shareholders
0: Right. And so if it's such a cash-generative business, would you expect that you might find yourself in a similar position in years to
1: come? Yeah. I mean that's The beauty of the policy is it's mathematically very simple. Right. Anything more than 50 million mm. will be paid out in the form of a special dividend. Okay. And in the growth period, we'll keep the core dividend with three times cover. Mm. And therefore, for example, if next year our earnings grew by 10%, then our core dividend would increase by 10%. The flip side is if and when sometime in the future you know, there's a downturn and our profits fall, we will maintain the level of core dividend at that current level. So you have protection for the core dividend under all circumstances and the special dividend is used in a period of positivity to reward our shareholders and and the the fact that our business is highly cash generative. Okay.
0: As recruiters are by definition a people business, one of the Uh, best ways to judge future growth has traditionally been headcount what's what's your expectation on that and where are you expecting to see Hmm.
1: growth so if we start with what have we done because you're Hmm. right the best Hmm. example of what have we done and what does that lead to so taking the last quarter we increased our headcount by two percent and we're ten percent up year on year The most important part of that, we've increased our headcount. We're the largest recruiter in Germany, as I said earlier on. We're big as number two, three, and four put together. And we've just increased our headcount in Germany by more than 20% this year. We've Mm -hmm. just grown in the last quarter by 16%. If we adjust for for working days, it was close to 21%. So our largest business, our largest profit generator, strong growth, putting a lot of headcount in. And I'd see no reason today why we wouldn't do a similar sort of headcount growth next year. So... Our underlying growth in the last quarter was about 9% if we adjust for working days. We've exited the year without the drag of the UK, in that UK has been sequentially stable. Lots of opportunities for growth outside the UK. And sitting here today with the kind of minimal visibility we have, and one of the beauties of running a recruitment business is we have three to five weeks visibility and we have no forward secured revenue stream. So we adjust our headcount with how we're seeing the business trends. But certainly for the next quarter, we're looking at doing a 2 to 3% increase in headcount. And I see no reason for the full year why we wouldn't do a five to ten percent increase in headcount
0: okay you sound very optimistic but what are the what are the things that scare you what's keeping you up at night
1: I'm not sure there's anything that scares me at the moment. I think we've clearly got what's the impact of Brexit going to be. Mm. I think for us, the issue is much more about the long-term impact on the economy rather than the short-term impact of that. I've said early on, we've already lost about 10% of our UK business pre- and post-Brexit. We've been stable since then. We certainly don't expect to have a lot of growth opportunities in the UK beyond that. Then you're really into kind of how long will the cycle run? How long will growth run across the world? Mm. Certainly what we are seeing at the moment, and one of the reasons I am, Positive is our largest business by far is in Europe. Content Europe and the rest of the world is fifty percent of our group, and this is the best uniform economic conditions I've seen in Europe since two thousand and six and two thousand and seven. So, for as long as that continues and the US continues to grow, we'll be okay. Well, I don't think. I I think that's different. Mm. Um, I mean, I'm fifty five years old, so I've lived through lots of cycles. Mm. A banking crash is completely different, right? So, you know, for example, when we had the euro. Um, and crisis in 2010-2011. It just meant that business in Europe didn't go for a couple of years. Right. Sitting here today... All out know, of the 33 countries we're in, mm. we're in a positive economic conditions in 30 of those 33 countries. And, and three of them, including, of course, the UK, is slightly more modest. So sitting here today, the economic conditions are conducive for us to grow our business. We're also very good at converting fee growth into profit growth and then on to large cash generation. So currently, they're good conditions. Paul Venables, thanks for joining us. Thank you. You've been listening to Boardroom Talk. For more Investors
0: Chronicle podcasts, visit Acast, iTunes, or the Investors Chronicle website.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices.